Welcome to Bugs and Beards, the podcast home for everything fly fishing and fly tying. Kick back as we sit down and talk with some of your favorite fly tires and fishermen while we discuss with them the tips and techniques they've learned on the river and behind the vice so that you can use those lessons learned to make your time more effective. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Bugs and Beard podcast. We're glad to be back here with you. We took a little bit of a hiatus. Um... I'm Sean Holsinger, and uh, we got Pat here in the studio with us. How you been doing, Pat? Oh, not too bad. Yeah, good. We've been uh, self-quarantining, I guess, huh? Yes. Yeah, that sucks. We were just talking about it here, and the last podcast we put out was April 8th with Dave Olibal, and uh, I remember specifically in that podcast talking about... Um, it was just right when everything was starting to happen with yep. coronavirus. Everything was starting to get ugly. Yeah, and we were joking around. There was only three of us, so we were allowed to do the <laughs> podcast because there was less than five. Yep. So we've been quarantined, and we're finally busting out. We've gone green here in our state for whatever that means with our hmm. governor. But I'm doing my best to keep my political opinions to myself, and yep. uh, and we're going to do that on this show too. So, uh Anyhow, what we was thinking, we were trying to come up with an episode for today, and we got a couple guests lined up, and now that we're going to get back in the studio again, I can't wait to bring some in here, but we're kind of, we just wanted to get back out on the air to you, and trying to think of topics, and one that's been hitting us here in the area, really, as of late, is a lot of hot weather. We've been... Hot weather. Yeah. For, very little rain. For early June, it's pretty hot, and uh, the streams are dropping quickly around here in our area. Yeah, our creeks are in pretty rough shape. Yeah, they are. We, Majority of them. It's been a good two weeks since we've had rain. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, we decided on today's topic is what to do when the weather gets hot. And uh, with trout fishing, that's really an important topic because it's one that I know a lot of new beginners into the field, they just got that bug want to go fishing and you just don't understand it yeah you don't understand the biology of the fish and and it's it's not a good thing for the fish and you know it's good for you to get out and have fun but especially with the situation we're in in the world right now you need to get out and have fun but it's not the best for the trout yeah you don't want to stress them out any more than you have to right these are cold water fit fish trout are, is a cold water species and they need cold water and right now we're not getting that and uh we're going to go over a couple of the things that we suggest to stay away from and uh, what we do to divert our attention during this time and i don't know the last couple of years we've been getting a lot of rain and i've been fishing you know still fishing hard this time and what's bad is we still got some good hatches to go yet yeah and that's, I think that's the most disappointing thing. But um, along the same, this was going to be a hit home podcast for me because I, uh, if you don't know, if you don't follow my social media, and I haven't put much out there on the social media about it, um, I had a little incident here at the house and ended up crushing my foot. And I've been in a cast now for the past six weeks. And uh, so it's just like <laughs> not being able to get out and go fishing. It's just like not being able to fish because of no water in the stream. So going to be a long summer for you. It's going to be a long summer. I probably have a surgery coming up and I'm going to push the doctor the best I can to get me back this fall for archery and salmon season. And Oh, that's pushing it. I, 
this doctor I think is a little better than my back doctor last year. So I think I might be able to go salmon fishing this year. That's pushing. <laughs> so I just it makes for a long day standing up there. Yeah. Pretty good currents. Yeah, it it'll be tough. I don't know. I'm gonna have to decide, but I I will get some fall fishing in for sure this year and it's probably gonna be places that I don't have to walk as much, which are gonna be harder to fish, but gotta do what you gotta do. But you gotta get a boat. Take yeah. boat over there, fish lake, learn how to lake fish. Yeah, yeah. I w I've actually been thinking about that. And well let's get into that. Let's let's make that our first topic. Um, because lake fishing is a thing that would work in the summertime for trout. And it's an often overlooked tactic for trout. You especially know. here in the States. Here in our, especially here East Coast. Yes. West Coast, the guys, they're used to fishing. You know, they're used to fishing from the boats and stuff like that. Still water fishing. But um, East Coasters like ourselves, that's kind of, unless you're a tournament guy or... You know, you're chunking bait off the back of your Most boat. Most guys are chunking bait. Or trolling. Spinners, yeah. trolling, rapalas. Yeah, I used to troll for trout out of yep. out of our canoe a good bit and do real well with it. But that's not fly fishing, which is what this top podcast is about. And uh, so that would be a good thing to look into because, uh, you know, you have a thermocline and stuff. The fish can get down into the colder water that they can't in the stream. So the fish can stay healthier and live longer in those in those conditions. So... That would be one thing. I didn't even think of that before we yeah. started doing this podcast. I didn't either because I've never got to do it myself. Yes, I haven't either. And uh, actually from this season here, um, of course, with me, with my broken leg, I'm not working. And uh, so my work now, I am now a full-time fly tire. And uh, I've been getting a lot of requests for different things. And one of the requests that I got lately was a balanced leech. Mm. and uh, really neat to tie i've never tied one of them before and uh, it was really cool how they worked and that's a still water pattern that would be a great pattern right now to get out and try on the lakes and did you ever mess with them before no i see them on instagram but never played with them it's a really cool setup if you're not familiar with it um in essence you take a pin and you put a tungsten bead on the pin yep then you tie the pin onto your onto your the shank of your uh, hook out the end past the eye yep and so when you tie your line on your eye it balances you know the weight of all the stuff tied on the fly counterbalances with the weight on the end out past your eye and uh, it's made to hang parallel to the top and parallel yeah hmm. yeah so it's made to ride straight you know the way it should you know it's tied as a minnow pattern or like a leech or something like that and uh, i had a lot of fun tying it it was kind of neat to tie it and different so i'm probably going to end up tying some of them you tie it on a jig hook so you get the eye up a little bit if you're not familiar with them but it's cool i'm going to give that a try well not even that we primarily fly fish for trout right but even at that with the lake i mean you got crappies bluegills exactly. bass Yep. Musky, walleye. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, mouse pattern through yes. lily pads for bass. You know, Minnow I, patterns. Yeah, I can think of a lot of fun things. And getting a, getting a 15, 20-inch largemouth on a fly, you, you know, you're not going to use your own inflator set up for that, for I sure. I do need to get out and do that. Yeah, I do too. I mean, usually we run to the river for smallmouth, which I love doing that. 
but I've never really focused on catching them with a fly rod out at the lake. Right. I have done it before. Well, not so much at the lake here. Like I've done different things when we went to, um, when we went down to Miami, I, I went down there and fish. I used my fly rod until I caught one. And, and then I was like, okay, everybody else catching fish. And now I got it out of the way. I want to do what I want to do. But, um, and then I ended up switching to bait on the fly rod and caught a lot on bait on the fly rod. But it's so much fun just fighting them on the fly rod compared to compared to conventional rod. The the fight is so much better. But um, there's a lot of opportunity. Poppers. Poppers yes, at poppers. night, you know. You're, there's so much opportunity for fly fishing aside from trout. Um, another thing, you're going on vacation right now this time of year, you know, Two of my kids are on vacation, and they're both down at the Outer Banks mm. surf fishing. There's another fly fishing chance you have. So there's tons and tons of opportunities out there aside from the trout. And I think we're going to try to dig into some of those that we have experience with and stuff like that in this podcast. So what do you have any thoughts on it? What's, what do you like to do aside from it? Smallmouth fishing. I love smallmouth fishing. We did that. Yes. The last couple of summers, when the weather here gets rough, right, it gets warm. And for us, where we go, we have to get up early there, not because of the water temperature, because of the kayakers yep. and the rafters. And yeah. you got to beat them out to get better fishing before the fish are spooked. But we've had some pretty good days. We've had awesome days, and you know. It's not uncommon for the two of us to go out and have a hundred fish between us. The only rough day we had, which we still caught a good many fish, was the day we was up to our armpits ten feet from shore. Yeah, we got because we got lots of rain. But we got good fish that day. <laughs> <laughs> we got big hungry fish that yes, day. Yes, we did. But um, no, that smallmouth is one of my favorite things to do this time of year, and uh, well, I guess trout wise too. One suggestion. We'll take this towards trout. Is one of our favorite places to fish is a tailwater situation yes. below a dam, which is feeding you know water, very oxygenated water off the dam. It's controlled height. If you got a good bottom feed, you got good cold water coming from it. Um, so if you if you know any tailwater fisheries, those are one of the things you're going to look for. If you want to trout fish this time of year, you want to look for tailwater fisheries because a lot of times. Especially if you got a good bottom feed, bottom feed dam, you're going to get good cold water coming out of it and support a healthy trout population. Which our stream, river, whatever you want to call it, yeah. does. There's trout there, but they're not as prevalent. Right. And uh, and they're only close to the dam because it gets big and wide and yeah. the sun heats it up and you know it's fun wet wading because There's you're There's muskies and catfish and... Too many predators, yeah, per se in the river. So, yeah, but there are some nice trout in there, and some nice trout spill down from the dam, and so there's lots of opportunities where we're thinking of. Oh but, yeah, but um, that's you know another option if you're dead set on trout fishing this time of year, you want to find yourself tailwaters. Um, another thing you're going to look for is spring cricks. Spring fed cricks are going to yes. keep cool water because. Um, typically around our area, usually if a stream is flowing out of the mountain, if it's coming out of the ground to spring, you're right around 55 degrees. 
and that's controlled, you know, wintertime or summertime, you're looking at 55 degrees where it comes out of the mountain because the groundwater doesn't change. So the spring cricks are going to keep the water cooler. And especially if it's a wooded spring creek, you know, where you got a canopy covering the stream, yeah. not allowing the sun to get down through it, that's going to keep your water temperatures down. All these things we say is because, like we said earlier, the, a trout, and that's why there's a lot of hate on the internet, I guess you would say, about the way people handle fish and stuff like that. And I'm not going to get into that because I, I partially hate scrolling through Facebook and Instagram anymore because of all the hate on it. Yes. And, um, you know, the way you handle a fish even accounts more this time of year because you're already stressing the fish and then when you hold them in the water and stuff you want to keep them in the water this time of year and uh, another thing is early mornings and evenings yep you want to keep it the early morning and evening if i was guiding this time of year of course i'm out with a broken foot now but if i was we would be meeting at daylight and we would be fishing first first light and fish till lunchtime or so and that's when you're going to get up you know your temperatures are going to get up there and well, this year for us has really been crazy. We were in winter, and I would say in March, we had spring-like temperatures. Yeah, we did. And then for April, it kind of went back to the winter. A little bit, <laughs> yeah. A little chilly, lots of rain. But for us, for our cricks to be in the position they are right now, it is definitely not normal for us. No. Usually at the end of the month, more July. This is, yeah. yeah. Here here we're sitting here, what is it, 7th or 8th of June yes. as we record this. And we're actually looking at water conditions. I mow my yard here and have a little stream behind my house. And we are into early July conditions for that yeah. stream right now at the beginning of June. Well, like you said, even my yard, my yard lays really wet. It's in a very wet area where I live and. My yard's pretty dry right now. Yeah, the bad thing about it is is the hatches were missing. Or not uh, missing. Yeah. The hatches that were stressing the fish over to fish. And like, you know, right now, the best thing is it's about some of the hatches. The big hatch right now is the green drakes. Yep. And as we record this, the green drakes are just probably just finishing Penn's Creek right yeah, now. Yeah, and uh, done. yeah and but pens cricks is is one of the big streams you know one of the big ones that can keep its temperature down and and uh it's still fishable and but on this, uh, on the flip side of that i should say green drake's an evening hatch so it's when the water is cooler and a little yep. easier on the fish there's a lot to do with that but there's other things that we can be doing this time of year too like to distract our attention from from the trout there's you know we got salmon season coming up, steelhead season coming up. And if you're like me, for me at least, when it's steelhead season, I'm steelhead fishing. And then when it's done and I beat up all, use up all my flies, I don't think about it because then I'm getting ready for trout season. I have to prepare for trout season. <laughs> so for me, this time of year is when I'm starting to prepare for the fall. And uh, I kind of tie in stages, especially now that, I guess you would say that's my job. Um, I'm just right now starting to get into tying my fall selection of flies. Starting to stock my stone flies back up and getting my streamers stocked back up. See, you should be good, though. 
you shouldn't have to tie much till next year because <laughs> you didn't get much guiding in. No, I didn't. And uh, and my my flies, my flies, the, the shop though got hit pretty hard, and that's what yeah. I'm restocking. So, as as a fly tire and a commercial fly tire or whatever, um, that's kind of what you do. I I kind of tie a season ahead, and right now I'm just now rolling into my steelhead season, so I'm starting to tie a lot of stone flies and well right now on my desk is check nymphs i'm tying a bunch of check nymphs right now but um you know i've been tying some streamers lately catching up my streamer box so there's a lot of tying to be done right now sitting with the air conditioner on like i don't know if you can hear it humming in the podcast or not but sitting here relaxing in the air conditioner turn the tv on watch some meat eater tie some flies well, not only that, if you, I mean, if you really want to get out and fish, besides bass, carp. Yes, carp on carp the fly. Carp have taken social media. Guys that are fishing for carp in late spring, summer, it's crazy. That is something that we have talked about doing and haven't got together to do. And We've called them accidentally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here and there, but... And, uh... You know, the more I've been having sitting around walk, looking at my foot, I've been thinking about I have a canoe. And I've been thinking about getting that canoe out. And I know a spot with some carp mm-hmm. that's accessible from the canoe. And I could do that. So maybe we're going to have to put that one in the book, too. They are fun to catch. I remember my first one. I was actually just getting heavy into fly fishing when I caught that first one. And it was kind of a surprise. It was on a mop fly. Yeah kind of a surprise to catch one but man do they fight now i wouldn't suggest going out and doing that on your two or three weight euro rod no it was a five weight yeah i would suggest you know using your streamer rod or whatever for them but um you know a lot of the times we are euro nymph guys on here this yep. is, but it's not a strictly a euro nymph podcast now we have a little bit of a little bit of this a little bit of wet flies yeah. some streamers yeah fished a lot of streamers yeah i I haven't fished as much. Well, this year I kind of shot, shot myself in the foot, I guess you would say. <laughs> I didn't get much fishing in either. They kind of snuck the season in on us. Got up one day and it was, hey, we open trout season today. Yeah, well, welcome. Ran to the creek and all your bait fishermen and Corona was kind of going on. And yep. the creek at that particular time wasn't really that high. It was kind of really low. So to stay away from said be people, kind of got off the beaten path, got away from the road, and fished more for wild trout this year versus stock trout. I would say I did that too, yeah. Just to be away from people. Yep. Yeah, I uh, I have one area here close to the shop that you have to hike a mile at least a mile to get back into and uh, i've done that a couple of times before my before my foot here and that's been one of my favorite things to do is just hike down in there it's where i shot my deer at you know so there's a lot of i don't know what you want to call it a sentimental value to fishing down in there but i i like fishing catching those fish a lot more and and some of those places are your colder mountain stream creeks yeah, where that you, know, you could get away with yeah. all summer. Yeah. That is one trip that I usually did in the summertime. 
was uh, there's there's another stream in my area that's known for well it's not known for if if you know about it for wild brook trout it's all wild brook trout and it's, it's a lot of fun to fish but the drawback to that fishing this time of year is snakes and this is a rattlesnake haven but i always thought that was fun i always enjoyed <laughs> seeing a nice rattlesnake actually it's funny i know it's kind of not related to the podcast it is and it isn't i just seen somebody up north mm. was just bitten first casualty we've had in four or five years maybe maybe more than that oh, wow. from a rattlesnake they had a campfire rattlesnake came in to get warm somebody got up to walk around get wood and mm, wow I fatality yeah that gotta is, watch for snakes yeah and that's one thing about pennsylvania where we are here a lot of woodland and yes especially northern pennsylvania if you if it's where i'm thinking probably up around potter county so yep. up in that direction there's a lot of snakes up there and there's a lot of woods in your an hour from a hospital sometimes. Yes, you are. So, but anyhow, let's get off, back on to fishing and uh, other things we can do this time of year. We've covered your smallmouth, which I don't know, we should do a show on that in itself. But Yeah. Because there's so much fun with smallmouth. And the great thing is one of the most overlooked things about smallmouth is we urine it for smallmouth. And mm-hmm. people don't realize that. We're using, and we'll dig into that a little bit right now. When we uh, when we smallmouth fish, we're using three weights, and we're using our Euro rig setups, twenty foot leaders, uh, a lot of Euro jigs, um, streamers, jiggy jigs. bugger streamers, yep. you know, a lot of little stuff. Now we're catching a ton of little fish, but we catch some big ones. Well, mixed yeah, we in there last with year it. we did. We had we a got lot of nice ones. When the weather was right, you know, if it was low and clear, we caught countless number of little ones little fish but if we had a little bit of color to the water or something like that we was catching nice fish and we weren't throwing big humongous headbanger streamers we were you know we were fishing a tandem rig a lot of times and catching them on a france fly you know and you know a a nice woolly bugger style style fly on the bottom to hold us down in some of that bigger water and a france fly on the top or something euro streamer yeah euro streamers were good like I think that's one of the things that people don't realize or don't think about. You know, when you think smallmouth, you're thinking topwater poppers, um, big water moving, you, you know, like stick bait kind of imitation flies and stuff like that. things you're going to move water on the fly, get the fish's attention, get the topwater bite. And, uh, you know, they lay on the bottom just like a trout does. If you're, you know, if you're wading in the water, if you're wet wading, look where those trout are laying, or sorry, those smallmouth are laying in the stream. And you're going to see them tucked in behind a rock. You're going to see, they're not mid-current, you know, they're not mid-level in the water. They're not sitting on the top waiting for something to fly down. They're on the bottom. You need to get down there with them. And Euro-nymphing is perfect for that technique. And, of course, one of my favorite places to fish for them is a nice ripple. Yeah. I love fishing riffles for anything, but especially for smallmouth. I've had a lot of success fishing the riffles more so than um, deep water or the slow pools because I, I look at it just like trout water. When you get a riffle, you can see the, the rocks in there, the currents, the different edges and stuff like that. So you can really attack a riffle 
for smallmouth the exact same way that you attack it for trout. I just look at it like if they're in the riffles, they're feeding more. I agree. They're hungry. Yeah, they they have to. They're spending more energy, so they have to take more energy in. Where the ones in the poles are kind of lazy. They're yeah, opportun- you know, optimistic. They're just like yeah, yep. I can eat it or I'm not. Yeah. So, but the ones in the riffles, they're usually they're hungry. They're gonna come out and smash it. Yeah, I. Those are the main things that I do. I'm usually like this time of year. I'm more geared towards my smallmouth fishing. This year, I'm more geared towards my tying. Um, of course, for me, I got show season coming up then too, so I have to be tying for show season. Get ready for that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of things that I need to be tying. I don't know what are you th- what are you tying right now? <laughs> I haven't been tying a whole lot. Yeah. Believe it or not, I mean, I was pretty well stocked up, and. Life was just the way it was this spring, family issues, and I did not get out to fish as much as I wanted. The season started off really good, and the world kind of shut down, and when the world kind of shut down, you know, here in Pennsylvania, season opened, but then our weather got really kind of cheesy. Yeah, it did. It was cold, rain. And I just had other stuff going on and didn't make it out. So my boxes are really full. But believe it or not, I am tying Euro streamers. Hmm. I used a ton of them this year for trout. And I like to use them for smallmouth. They're good for just about anything. And by Euro streamers, you mean like uh, the Euro jig that... Yep, Euro jig size 10. Yeah, size 10 jig hook, like a 3.5 bead. Or little, bigger, a little yeah. bit bigger. A marabou uh, tail and some... Uh, and I do like mine a little longer. I like mine a little bit longer, a little bit more fuller, just for more uh, movement. More action. Yeah, more action is, in the water. That is one thing that when they first come out, and uh, I believe it was Fly Fish Food that put the video out on them. Yep. And uh, it was Lance Egan did it. Yeah. Yeah, Lance did it. And he showed tying with a humongously long tail and uh tie it around the bend of the hook a little further than you would a normal fly so it don't so foul. doesn't foul on you yeah but when they tied that i looked at that and i thought man there is <laughs> that is so far out of proportion and that was the weirdest looking thing for me to tie and i struggled tying it. i tied it short for a while but then we started fishing smallmouth with the long tails and oh man does that kill the it, it worked for trout, too. Don't get me wrong. It really worked for trout. But yeah, because it was crazy because I started tying them, and I had people, they wanted to buy them. And I couldn't even keep them in my own box to fish them because I never had materials for myself. I was selling that many of them. And then when I finally, you and I went fishing, yeah, and we were fishing for smallmouth, and it was just boom, 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 boom on the smallmouth, and... I was like, now I know why these guys were buying so many trout season. And yeah. They and, work really well. Yeah, and and for smallmouth, we're tying crayfish colors a lot. Yes. Yeah, browns, uh, peach colors. Black, black for leeches. Blacks for uh, leeches. Olive. Olive is still one of my favorite. And uh, silver. Yes. 
With silver for a minnow. I did real well on silver. but I actually tied some white ones, too, but I have not done really well on them. Yeah, I, I did well with silver. Yeah, olives we just crushed, too. Yeah. And brown olive. Brown olive. Yeah, olive with a brown body. Like, yep. That was a really good one for us mm-hmm. last year. But, uh, man, we're we're off topic, I guess, well. <laughs> on, on that we went totally off topic but that's fun and, and it's fine uh smallmouth fishing is just so much fun this time of year and it's a great great topic for right now for acrobatic. where we're at yeah a lot of fun yeah acrobatic i've never really spent a lot of time fly fishing for bluegills or crappy i do like to catch both i like to ice fish for them and for some reason i just never chase them with a fly rod I do when we're out smallmouth fishing, I'll get over by them weed beds. You know, you get by the weed beds on the bank, you're going to pull a lot mm. of sunfish out of there. And uh, and they're a lot of fun, too. And, you know, uh, or rock bass, you know, we get a lot of those in our area. Uh, red eyes, you call them. But Now, see, when I was younger and really young, <laughs> I was using poppers for bluegills at our local pond down where I lived at in Maryland. Now, that was fun, yeah. catching bluegills on poppers, and it was fun. I do have, I bought a bunch of those. Uh, who makes them in poppers? Uh, um, uh, yeah, uh, it'll come to me here in a sec. Flyman. That's it. I have a bunch of them, and I have a bunch of them tied up. I wanted to take them out for smallmouth and got on vacation last year and realized I left them at home, but yeah. I definitely want to give them a round, too. Yeah, that's one thing that I haven't messed with as much, and I haven't really tied either. And it's one thing I need to tie just for the experience of tying something different. But have you ever went – now, you grew up in Maryland. Yep. Did you ever try the surf with the fly rod? Never. Okay. Every year we would go on uh, – our church camp would go to Cape Henlopen, which is right above Rehoboth Beach. It was an old military base. And uh, there was a nice inlet there. So he was always kind of controlled. And every year I would get in there, I would take my fly rod with me and try. And I still have yet to get a stinking fish out of the surf. I still have yet to get a saltwater fish on the fly rod. That's a goal of mine. And uh, I've watched people do it. Last year when I was down there, talked to a guy for a while, went up, put my fly rod away, got bored with it. Fished off the pier and turned around and watched and saw him catch a nice big rockfish, a.k.a. striper, mm-hmm. off the surf. And it was like 30-inch or probably off the surf on a fly rod. And I was like, man, I am jealous of that. But that's one of the things that that's probably one of my biggest fly fishing goals right now is get a saltwater fish on the fly rod. It, it would be a lot of fun. I lived in Maryland. We had a lot of stripers. Very easy to catch. We would go fish places, like for channel cats. Yeah. And you're fishing in the bay. There's the tide and stuff's coming in and out. And, you know, usually when the tide's coming in, the fish are coming in. They're feeding. Stripers right. would come in, and we'd stand there and catch them on Rapalas for hours. Mm-hmm. So to turn around and I could do it on a fly rod, it would just be... Lots of stripping streamers, yeah, bigger streamers to right. grab their attention. But then again, I mean, in reality, you know what a rapala is. A rapala is nothing huge. It's just long. So yeah. you're going to want to tie something articulated with a little bit of action. But yeah, that 
it would definitely be fun. Yeah. I know what they were on a spinning rod. I mean, it was nothing to catch 30, 40 inches and the sheer energy they have. So to put that into a fly rod, yeah, that could be fun. Yeah, we have Racetown Lake, which is where we do a lot of our mm-hmm. bass fishing and stuff. The river that feeds the lake is well-known. State record stripers have come out of that lake. Um, of course, landlocked, we don't. We're in the middle of the state, nothing close to the ocean. but uh, So they don't reproduce there. But they get big eating all the L.Y. and gizzard shad and everything else that lives in the lake. And actually a friend of mine, one of my best friends growing up, his dad actually held the state record striper for mm. a good many years. And uh, I think when he held it, he had it was like 48 pounds when he had it. He always describes striper fishing as tying your line to the bumper of a Volkswagen Beetle and telling it to floor it. <laughs> so to, yeah. to get that on a fly rod would be a great experience. And I know some guys that do it, and uh, I'm sure I would just have to make a call, but I just need the time to do it. So I'm going to have to do that one of these days. i got to get on it. Oh, I know. I lived in Maryland. My parents had a campground down in Chicopee, Virginia. Mm. And... We would go down there and just catch hundreds of flounder a year. I mean, it was just crazy numbers. I wish now that, you know, when I was younger, I'd have been into fly fishing and could have got up on some of them sandbars as the tide was moving and fly fish for flounder and had that opportunity then, but... I'm making yeah. the best of it now. That's my problem. And, and one of my biggest things is the reason why I don't, why I haven't caught a fish at it. I live nowhere near the close coast. No. You know, no, it, we it, do not. it's five hours for us to get to the ocean. Yes. And so, and if I do get there, I get there for a week. My fishing time in that week because of family stuff. Yep. You want to spend time with your family. Right. You know, I have hours and I don't understand the tides and the, the sandbars and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know where I should be casting. So I'm just blind casting into the ocean. And, you know, I guess I could do more research on it, but it's just not something that I put the effort into. Because you got other things going on. Yeah, there. Right. It's kind of on the burner, but on the back burner. Right. But on the other hand, I do try. Everywhere I go, my fly rod travels with me. I was the only person walking on the Carnival Cruise with a... <laughs> with a fly rod and reel and i will admit i've went fishing in a place that i knew whenever i was there i knew i probably shouldn't have been there it's always easier to ask forgiveness than it is permission (laughs) and uh, and i saw two bonefish and i had a look at it and i didn't get my bonefish in the caribbean so and then i was told Mm -hmm. yeah i wasn't supposed to be there (laughs) so so i left and went back to where there wasn't any fish so but anyway, I'm trying, guys. I just haven't done it yet. <laughs> That's funny. So there is lots of summertime opportunities out there. You just got to oh, go yeah. find them. No doubt. There's lakes, ponds, rivers. Yeah. Well, we're, you know, we're pretty lucky in this area. We have walleye. Yes, we do. Muskie, uh, northern pike, and catfish. I floated down below the Raystown Dam there last year and they gets pretty deep in there. I was really surprised at how deep some of that water was and man to come down through there, like you said, you know, you're you're looking at the bass and stuff, seeing where they're laying and why are they laying there and 
Man, there were some huge catfish in there. Yeah, there are some big ones. I mean, I'm sure that that's doable on a fly, too. I'm sure you probably catch some. It's going to take some work, mistaken. but I'm sure, yeah, yeah. it would happen. Yep. Just got to tie the right pattern. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think they're more scent-oriented. Yeah. A little bit different predator fish, but yeah. I'm sure it can be done. Oh, I know there's guys out there, especially accidental catches yep. and stuff like that. But but get out there, make the best of it. Yeah, and and don't be afraid this time of year to sit down at the vice. You know, that's one yeah. of the biggest things. Don't be out stressing out the fish is, is what we're, this show is all about. You know, warm water fish right now is what you want to be keying on. You want to be looking for your small mouth, your large mouth, sunfish. Have fun. Practice your casting. One great thing about pond fishing first, you know, get out on a pond and, like, cast topwater flies for panfish and stuff like that. Sorry They're just for, working on your for casting. Stomp, for stumbling around, but... Uh, casting you can really work on your casting right now well not only that like you said about the tie and you know some people are going to say well there's only so many times or i can sit down and tie and tie x amount of flies there's going to be five or six particular patterns i know i have in my box that i use on a regular basis and if i ain't got room in my box i can keep them in a storage box like uh Firehole. Firehole has these great little hook boxes. Well, guess what? They hold lots of flies. <laughs> they do, and that's what I usually ship yeah. my flies out in. And no. you can load them up, put them on your desk, yep. put them in, in your gear somewhere, and that way when you need them, you don't have to sit down in time because they're already tied. You just fill up your box which you lost that day or yep. you know, if your buddy needs a couple. So... It's a good idea. Yeah, when we get Joe on here from Firehole Hooks, we're going to have to thank him for getting such high-quality oh, yeah. boxes. <laughs> those, those are nice. Yeah, we, we got to get Joe on here. I keep saying to him, he's like, just pick a time, pick a time, and I just never get back to him. But Well, he was kind of crazy with the bug bands. And yeah, he's got, got some new things going on there. and We need to get him on here and let him share about that and explain yeah. what explain he's Explain the weight system and so, so some hooks. Yeah, that'll be a good show. Some things that are coming in the future. Yeah, if you if you're unfamiliar, if you've lived under a rock for the last three years or are new to fly tying, um, Firehole Hooks is probably mm-hmm. and we're not sponsored. Joe doesn't sponsor anybody. I don't think he doesn't have a pod. Uh, yeah, pro staff or anything like no. that. He his product sells itself and it is high quality hooks and we do real well with them. Good hooks. Yeah, well, it's our best seller in the shop for for sure. But and I tie all kinds of stuff on him too, like saltwater patterns, everything. I tie a lot of stuff, different patterns on his hook, and he's got a nice selection of hooks. But I don't know. How, is there anything else we can think of what we're doing this time of year? You stay in the air conditioner. Staying in the <laughs> air conditioning. Yeah. Yep. Stay in the air conditioning. And stay safe. Yeah, I'm gonna start. One thing that I'm going to do that my goal for this summer is. As a fly tire, and especially as one, a commercial tire, whatever you want to call me, or a guy that ties it to shows, I want to be as versatile as I can. So for me, I'm going, I want to spread my wings, get away from my Euronymph flies and stuff like that, and experiment with other things. Um, experiment with other styles of flies. And I think I'm actually going to start working on my certification, my fly tying certification. So uh, get 
you know, you have to tie so many patterns, send them in, be graded, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to work on that, and that's kind of one of the things that I have a goal, and the summertime is the perfect time to do it. Well, we did talk about that not long ago before everything went crazy. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about what was going on. You know, I was getting prepared for the Pennsylvania Championship, and I will honestly say that I spent a lot more money on dry fly capes this year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I had a good many from when I first started tying, but this year I probably doubled that. Yeah, for me, actually, in what I am going to do, uh, Federation of Fly Fishermen, International Federation of Fly Fishermen. I probably said that wrong, but anyway, they have a certification level where you you're assigned a certain amount of flies to tie, and different styles. And for like a bronze level, silver level, and gold. Bronze and silver is stuff that I tie all the time, and I shouldn't have too much of a problem doing that. You know, but you're tying for a real discerning eye. So it's different than just tying you know, tying to put in your box. You're tying for um, proportions. You know, you got to have your size rate appearance. on everything. Appearance. You know, the tying the wings the correct way and different. So there's a lot that goes into it. But the gold and silver is stuff that I tie pretty regularly. Or sorry, the bronze and silver, but the gold is like spay flies, and stuff that's really going to be outside the box for me, but things that'll make me a better tire by learning to tie. No, oh, I'm sure. So that's one of my biggest reasons for doing it. Not so, not for the prestige. Really, there's no prestige. I mean, there is in 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 your in my circle, I guess you would say, but um, just more for the learning experience of it. And to be a well-rounded tire. I learned a lot this year about dry flies. Wings and duck quills. and I do definitely need to get better at it. I can do it, but I need to get way better at it. Me too. Yeah. I I need to be able to sit down and do a good job on the first one and not the fourth one. (laughs) (laughs) That takes a lot of practice. It does. And I'm not doing that. I'm not practicing with it because I get so many orders for scott's big nymph for everything but dry flies because i'm not saying dry wet flies are the dying art but dry flies are starting to catch up you know you would be surprised at how big the box of cahills and stuff i have on my desk adams and march browns there's nothing wrong with them yeah they will all catch fish they are quality they look great but when I sat down to tie them, to send them in for somebody, a judge, to view, to me it had to be perfect. Yeah, and we, I got to see some of the flies that were entered <laughs> in that competition. And there were some really, really good, there some competition. really good tires there. And it's a shame that coronavirus and all the stupid things that have went on in this past couple of months happened that we couldn't have that competition. Um we're going to have to bring that back next year Hopefully for sure. Year. We definitely will for sure. Because it made a bunch of people a lot better tires. Mm-hmm. I know some of the guys that entered reached out to me because I was one of the guys that helped out with the show and stuff. And uh, and I've watched them through their social media posts and stuff like that. And their attempt to enter this contest had made them. And you were one in particular. Like, it made you such a better tire 
by tying for a competition. Not, And then we were all in it kind of against each other. And at the end of it, and it never really happened, now we're all on Facebook together and we yeah. shoot ideas back and forth together. And yep. Yep. at the end of the day, now you're all friends and you're learning from each other. And that's what's the best part about it. Yep. It's a lot of... It's a lot of fun, but it's it's a learning experience. Oh, That's the best man. part. So, learning wings, tying those duck quill wings. Wow. <laughs> that I mean, there's not a lot of videos on it, and it was definitely a learning adventure. Yeah. Yep. So. Well, is there anything else we can add to what we should be doing this time of year? Because I think we <laughs> pretty much covered it. Yeah, I think we just rambled for 45 minutes about <laughs> what we could do this time of year. It's all right. We got better stuff coming. It's just a matter of yeah. getting in touch with people now. Things are getting back to normal. Yep. We just wanted to get back out on the air and have give you something to listen to here. And uh, we're glad you tuned in. Say, so, hey, guys, we made it. Yeah, we made it through Corona. Yes, we did. Yeah. What will we run into next year? Well, <laughs> let's take that back. What will we run into in four more years? That's it. So anyhow, like I said, I'm a, I tried my best not to get political, and I blew it right at the end. <laughs> anyhow, guys, thanks for listening, and sorry about the long hiatus that we went on here without having a podcast, but I'm sure you know what that's all about. And uh, we're going to get some guys back in the studio it's so much better quality when we have guys in the studio. Oh, yeah. But, you know, some of them guys, like like we said, we're having Joe Mathis on here soon. And uh, he's not coming in from Montana, so. No. and Yeah. But we got somebody else lined up and wants to do several podcasts. Yeah. That's going to be a good he one. he was one of the pioneers in the ornithine industry. Yes. Yeah. We're looking forward to having so. that. And we'll let that out when it gets closer, closer to time. So. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, as always, you can find us on all your Instagram pretty much yeah, Instagram and Facebook, Facebook and just about anywhere that you listen to your podcast. So obviously, you found us already. So, But Stitcher, iTunes, all those places were on there. And, uh, of course, we have a website, too, bugsandbeardpodcast.com. So check us out there. And until next time, guys. Uh, get on the water, be safe about it. Like we've been talking early morning, late evening, this time of year and, uh, check keep your the fish temps. safe. Yep. Check, check your temps. Check your temps. When it starts getting too warm, get off the water. Yep. So thanks for listening guys. Until next week, I'm Sean Holzer. I'm Pat. See you later. Later. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bugs and Beard Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Holsingersflyshop.com. Head on over to the website for all your fly fishing and fly tying needs. Plus, you can also find a link there to the Holsingers Fly Shop YouTube channel. The channel is full of information with over 250 videos covering fly tying and fly fishing techniques geared towards making your time on the water more enjoyable. From all of us here at the Bugs and Beer Podcast, we hope you'll subscribe to our channel and tune in next week as we discuss the sport we love so well. Until next time, get out there on the water and tight lines.